Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Good morning everybody, it's such an honor for me to be preaching um, with you. Um, I've been part of this Life Changes community for about four years now been part of the Milneton journey since we started almost two years ago. Um, I am a little bit nervous, so if I stutter, please don't throw tomatoes at me. Um, if you don't like what I have to say, um, put it in an email. Okay, so a little bit of background on me. I was born in a small town in Joburg. We moved here when I was eight, and we never looked back. Um, I love this city. I love all the contrasts of this city, um, our sea, our strange mountain, and all the amazing people. Um, this is my home. Um, so. I just want to say um, just thank you to Fee and the leadership team for inviting me on this morning. Um, yeah, it's a real privilege. Um, but when I, invi- when I arrived to Tableview for the first time, um, to the Tableview Life Changes Church, um, I was greeted by Fiona and Gabe at the door, and they probably don't even remember this, but they were so super, super friendly, and I just felt like, wow, these people are really excited to see me. And... Um, that's actually just become part of the culture here at Life Changes, is people just being excited to have you around. And um, you almost get the sense that you belong. And um, the second time I saw Fiona, um, she, she gave me this big bear hug, as if I'd known her my whole life. And um, it was a little bit startling for me. I'm not a hugger. How many of you out there are not huggers? Okay, there's a few of us around. We sense each other. We sense each other. And, um, but... As much as, you know, I'm not a hugger, and I'm sure you guys will feel this as well. Guys, sometimes we still need hugs, okay? And um, Fiona's, like, unabashed friendliness actually helped draw me more into the story because it was just this open acceptance and friendliness that I'd never really experienced before. And it showed me a little bit more about what the gospel is about, and I'm going to get there um, in a moment. But there's another, aside from Fiona and Gabe's awesome friendliness, There are two other key stories I want to tell um, that kind of weave into the story I'm talking about today. But the first, one of the first few months, I think I was at Life Changes, we were sitting in the Tableview um, Auditorium and um, we just finished doing worship and we sat down and it was at the time where the xenophobic attacks were at their height. Um, We were watching the most terrible things happen on the news and um, People were talking about family members that had been caught from the lobby. And it was a very, very difficult time for our country and um, a very, very tense. And I'll never forget this. Clinton Hall stood up, he's one of our elders, and he stood up and he, he said to this auditorium, If you are a foreigner here today, I want you to stand. And you could just hear this hush all over the auditorium. It's almost like he's like poking this, this sleeping bee's nest. And um, no one wanted to stand. Um, but he said again, guys, if you are a foreigner and you're not a South African, I want you to stand. Slowly but surely, people started to stand all over, all over the auditorium. I think that day, half our congregation was foreigners. And um, we all kind of stood watching him, like, what is this guy in the front? I didn't even know him at the time. What is he going to say to these people? And he said, if you are a foreigner here today, I want you to know that you are welcome here. I want you to know that you are loved, that you are welcome, and that we are actually glad to have you here. And it was this incredible moment because you could just feel how the tension lifted. People began to cheer and clap and just like say like hi, like it was just this, this moment of like surreal acceptance 
and love. Um, and it showed me a little bit more of a gospel that I've never really, outside of the gospel, I've never seen before. Um, the next story is, it was actually a few weeks later, we were going through a big drought, and much like we were going through today, and um, all this time. And um, Mark was preaching, and he'd been 10 minutes into his service, and we'd all been praying for rain, praying, fasting for rain. And uh, we heard this slight pit of on the roof. Some people looked around, some people bought it, um, and the rain started again. This time a little bit louder. And people began to look at each other like, could this be it? You know? Um, but then it stopped, and Mark just kept preaching. And then about five minutes later, the heavens suddenly opened, and it began to pour. And everyone around the church started clapping and cheering and praising God because of this awesome miracle that had happened. And so the reason I'm telling you these stories, not, I mean, they were great moments for me, um, but they, they also showed me the side of the gospel I've never really seen before, where people are actually changed because of what God has done in their lives. Where people go against what the rest of the country is doing, shaming foreigners and actually saying, no, you're welcome here because God loves you and we love you and we want you to be here. Um, it's, it looks like a community of people who've been believing God for rain, praising Him because He's on to praise. And it's this family community moment that I've never um, even seen before, where the gospel has the power to change you. So um, turn with me to Acts 3 while you're getting there. Um, so before I was a Christian, I had a very stoic personality type. I was quite um, unemotional. I saw the world in a very pragmatic and detached way. Um, but when I came to know God um, and His kindness, it changed my heart. It did something very special in me. And over the years, I think God's kindness doesn't do these transformations overnight. But over the years, He slowly began to melt what we call a heart of stone into a heart that actually um, cares and loves people. And um, you know, I, because I used to see the world as all isolated, God's, God's truth actually helped me see the world in the connected way that it is, and how everything has a purpose. And um, so, oh yeah, that's three. Cool. So, some of you will be familiar with the story, um, but we've got uh, these two disciples, Peter and John, they're on the way to the temple to worship. And um, what's happening in history at this time is Rome is at its height in power. Jesus has been crucified and risen from the dead. The Holy Spirit um, has been given to the disciples. And um, we've got these two guys on their way to the temple. So I'm going to read. You can read with me. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was laid from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to bed from those going into temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is an epic story, right? Yeah. 
this man who has been laid from birth and put there by his family or whoever, by the gate to bed every day for most of his life, suddenly has his life changed in a moment. And so it's really an incredible story um, from, you know, it's this miracle. But if you scratch a little deeper, you'll see why the story is, is more powerful. I want to look at Peter and John. Um, so Peter is a man who begins his career as a disciple, but first as a, as a, a fisherman. He's this average Joe, um, working in the family business. Back then, in Jewish tradition, the men would go through several levels of education. If you were really top of the crops, you would go all the way through and qualify as a rabbi, which was a revered role in the society of that time. Um, but if you didn't, you would stop your education at around the age of 14, and then you would go into the family business, like Peter did. So he was a fisherman, um, and you know, he's just like you and me, just doing his day-to-day -day business. Um, but what we find out from Peter in scripture is actually not that much of a likable guy, often argumentative, often very brash, and in Luke 22, we see what a coward he is. He gets an opportunity to, um, oh, let me phrase it like this, Jesus gets arrested, and after Peter's been walking with Jesus for three years, people ask him three times, do you know this man? And he says, well, I never heard of him, because of his fear. He's a bit of a coward. But now, how does this cowardly fisherman from a small town become a disciple, an apostle, a church father, and then actually eventually a martyr for Jesus? The answer is that the gospel changed his life. The truth of who Jesus was got into his heart and changed him so that he stopped living for himself and began to live for others. Now let's look at John. So John and his brother James, quite interesting, they were known as the sons of thunder. Jesus gave them this name himself. And it was because um, for their first few years, and um, as disciples, but certainly throughout most of their earlier life, they were arrogant, they were elitist, and they were really, really bad-tempered. Arrogant, because they would often fight about who got to sit next to God in, in heaven one day. Um, elitist, because they tried to stop uh, people who were not part of their discipleship group for praying um, for others. And bad-tempered, because John actually asked Jesus to please let him call down fire upon a city that refused to um, accept them. So, quite testy individuals. Um, what's so funny is, let's go to that scripture in Mark 10. So in Mark 10, I'll show you an example of this. Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm about to be crucified. We're going to Jerusalem, and they're going to hand me over, and I'm going to be killed. And without missing a beat, James and John say to him, Lord, we'd like you to do for us whatever we ask. Kind of a weird thing to ask. And Jesus, humoring them, humoring them, says, okay, what do you want me to do for you? And they ask him to let him sit on either side of him when he comes to glory. Like, wow, what a way to say goodbye. He tells them he's about to be killed, and they say, okay, but can, can we sit next to you when you go to him? Um, but now Jesus, instead of going to teach these guys are useless, he teaches them who he is and what he's actually there to do. Mark 10, 42 to 45, he says, that's not for me to grant, but whoever wants to be great must serve. Even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So this is an incredible thing that Jesus does, because actually in that moment, he had every right to be angry, he had every right to cast them away, and he says, no guys, that's actually not what this is about. So if you want to be great, you need to serve. It turns everything on its head. And so what's remarkable about John is when we start reading the Gospels, he's called the Son of 
But today, in the theological society, he's known as the apostle of love. And that's because in his gospel and in all three of his letters, mostly all he talks about is love. We'll go to 1 John 4, verse 7 to 12. This is now who was previously a son of thunder. says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. What a transformation. Yeah. This God wants to burn the city up because they won't fit it in. Actually, this has now become the core of who he is. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That scripture is the cornerstone of our faith. Okay? Um, it's, an, it's a shift in person that's so incredible. Um, and if you read his letters, he still speaks boldly and sternly, but this time again, he's strong against false teaching. So it's not like he's had this major personality transplant, but it's like actually now all that energy is, tra- is channeled for God's purposes. There's something greater governing his life. So if we go back to uh, Acts 3 with our story with Peter and John and the beggar, Peter says to the beggar, look at us. So the beggar looks at him and he says, we don't have any money. They're obviously wearing at the bare you know, minimum, the plainest of clothes. He says, so we don't have money, but what we have we will give you. And they give him his life back, essentially. It's this thing that actually could never have been hoped for before. Um, and they step into this incredible miracle, not because of who they are or their qualifications, but because Jesus has given them this thing. He has transformed their lives. But what I, love, what I find so interesting is, um, we'll go to Acts 4, verse 7 to 14. What happens is this beggar, he gets healed, and he starts jumping around because he's so excited about this new life. Um, and people are coming to Peter and John, and Peter starts to preach to them. But the Sadducees, who were a, um, I suppose you could call them like a religious sect at the time, um, they only believed that they only believed in the law of the Old Testament, and they didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ. So what they thought they were hearing was blasphemy. So they arrested Peter and John, and the next morning uh, took them before the Jewish High Court, which was called the Sanhedrin. But I love this. So Acts 4, 7 to 14. They are asked by the courts, by what power or what name did you do this miracle? And Peter answers, now remember this was a coward speaking. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Then they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. It's actually just, it's quite epic for me, I must be honest, to have discovered that actually this, this 
gospel has gotten a hold of these guys, and they are now in this, they are more than they were before yeah. because of God, and they're changing lives because of it. But now you might be saying, but what is the gospel actually? So the gospel is the fundamental groundbreaking, life-changing truth that God loves you and that he sent his son Jesus to die as a ransom for you yeah. so, that he could, so that we could be with him. I love this. The Archbishop of York, John St. Thomas, says this. The gospel is forgiveness for the past, new life for the present, and hope for the future. I'll read that again. Forgiveness for the past, new life for the present, and hope for the future. And this is the truth. And this is what changes us and moves us and, and, and helps us become these better people. Um, so now I want you to imagine this. Imagine you are kidnapped. Okay? The people who kidnapped you are not nice guys. They're threatening to kill you. Unless a king sends a whole um, whack of riches and jewels and diamonds, that are the highest quality, the highest price, to get you back. Okay? And your family can't afford this, your friends can't afford this, there are strangers who are rich enough, but they aren't going to pay for you to be free. But instead of paying in gold or silver, the king sends his own son. It's like, it's a ransom, it's a ransom like the world has ever seen. And that's what happened with Jesus, is God had to ransom us away from, from our sin. And he used his own son to do it. And it's, I think when this truth gets into our hearts, it shakes us up. Because who would love us that much? So this is true that uh, had the power to transform Peter and John, it transformed Paul. Um, you can read about his story in Acts, I think it's Acts 9. Um, and in fact, his transformation was so significant, he had his name changed. Um, but it transforms you and me. So now just on a personal side, I really, really battle with anxiety. Um, it's a combination of a few things, but one of them is that I just have a really active imagination, and it gets fed with lots of movies and books. Um, but at any given time, I am aware of any possible disaster that can happen. It's just something that goes on in my brain. So sometimes it's fine, sometimes like late at night it starts to play out in my head, and um, it can become quite suffocating. Um, those of you who struggle with anxiety will know what I mean. Um, and you might ask, but if you are a Christian, then how can you be anxious? Um, well, because I'm still a human being, so I still have my weaknesses. But because of God, I have a strength in Him that I wouldn't have otherwise. And yeah. um, I have a hope that's, that I wouldn't have otherwise. Because without God, I'm all there is. Yeah. You know, and there is nothing you know, I can do about it. So I don't sink. In fact, I learned from this anxiety, and now I know how to help other people who are going through it. Um, and this is what God's gospel does. Um, and I want to just touch on something else. Part of this gospel transformation is that God makes us holy. It's amazing. Uh, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 4 that, that God sees us as holy uh, when, we, when we receive the gospel. And that's quite a big word. And um, what does this look like? Well, it looks like you and me serving God and loving people. If you're a Christian, by some great and mysterious gift, um, God decides to see you as holy. It's this amazing thing that you almost can't really imagine, you know, and it makes you feel special. But um, sometimes we get this holiness wrong and we go into what, um, what we like to call holy huddles, okay, where um, where we kind of develop this 
versus them mentality. It's like, well, we're holy, you're not. Um, but holiness is, is not something we can um, own for ourselves. It's not something we can grab and hide. It's not something we can prescribe to people and say, actually, this is what you need to do to be holy, because it's God's gift, it's not ours. Um, and so this is why I was telling you the story about um, us welcoming foreigners in the beginning. It's because actually the gospel is meant to be inclusive. Yeah. And it's for everybody. Um, we're meant to share it. And we're not meant to get into these holy huddles and um, because and protect stuff. God wants us to have community. It's, it's why it's so important. He wants us to share this thing with people. Because when we're in community, and when we are around people who don't know God, but the gospel is on the whole of us, they see that, and they know his love. Um, and it's also so that you can have a safe space to fall when, when life gets big. God wants us to do this thing together. Um, and it, the gospel, this is what the gospel looks like. It looks like us welcoming foreigners. It looks like us all together as a family praising God for answered prayer. It looks like Gabriel Fee answering a late night phone call from me uh, because I've been having nightmares and I'm too scared to go to sleep and committed to praying for me, checking in with me. Um, it looks like people like Grace and Shitty having people in their home every week sharing meals with them. You know? It looks like our friend Jessica Morella um, sitting on a beach with a, with an ice cream man hearing about all the trouble he's gone through and then saying, well, I can offer you hope. And it's Jesus. That is what the gospel does because it reaches out and it brings people in into a life that is different and, and beautiful. And God actually equips us for this. He gives us what we need. And so um, this morning, I just, I'm going to land very soon. Um, but if you're a Christian, I just want to encourage you to think about what Jesus has done and how the gospel has changed your life. Yeah. And if you're not a Christian, I want you to consider how different life would be if everything um, I'm saying today is true. How significant the change in your life would be. Cool. So I'm going to pray now. So if you want to just close your eyes. Um, Father, I just want to thank you that you love us first. Yeah. We thank you for your son Jesus. Without his sacrifice, Lord, we would all be lost. So I'm going to pray for two different kinds of people today. If you're a Christian and believe, but maybe haven't allowed this gospel to take hold of you, maybe because of fear, maybe because you were hurt before, or maybe just because it's, in, it's new for you, I just want you to raise your hand in faith. Okay, Father, I thank you for every hand raised, and I thank you for the freedom which you've already given us, Lord. I pray that Holy Spirit, you will help us to let go so that our lights can shine for others. Thank you, Father. If you keep asking us, um, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, um, and this gospel thing is very much a mystery to you, if you, you want to know more, something in your heart is stirring, you want to see how Jesus can change and help you love others, just mind your head quietly where you're sitting. Your heart may be beating really hard, maybe your palms are starting to sweat, don't worry, the only one watching is God. Okay? Just acknowledge. Just know there's an acknowledgement that you want to surrender to Jesus. Okay. Father, I thank you for these hearts. I thank you for the hearts you have made new today, Lord. I thank you for the strength that you will give them. I thank you, Father, for the wisdom that you will give them. 
And I pray, Lord, that as they go out today, that you would reveal to them who you are, Lord. 